Today we're in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn your Bible. We're on our fifth core values uh, series, fifth week of our core values series. As we're gathering as City Light, we're explaining who are we, what are we doing, what are we here for? What are we all about? What's the point of having another church on the block? What's happening? What do we believe? What do we want to see happen? And so we're continuing to define that together. We've talked over and over again about how important it is that we're all on the same page. You can be one church on different pages, and we don't want to see that happen. We want to be on the same page together, same mission, really living this out together as best as we can. And so this series is super vital to our unity. Remember, how we are doing is more important than where we are going. How we are doing will define where we go, and it will also define how effective we are when we get there. And so we want to build unity, camaraderie around a particular mission and a particular vision that the Lord has given us. So that's what we're talking about. This is the fifth week. There's seven of them. The last four we covered are, number one, we're all about Jesus. Number two, we're dependent on prayer. Number three, we're occupied by the word. Number four, we are led by the spirit. And then now today, number five is we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And so we're going to look at Matthew 5. I want you guys to look at that with me as we jump into this together. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we're, we're going to dive right into this today, and I wanted to give you a quick example of what this has looked like and what we're pursuing in our church and in our uh, lighthouses and all these things. So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, a few people had told me about um, Stephen Grace Kazalka's Lighthouse, which is in Fairfax. And our goal with our lighthouses is that you meet both uh, in your house but also in public. And so we want regular rhythms where you're just doing the same thing in public so that we can be a light. To be intentional about the fact that, yes, we want to gather and encourage each other, but we want to do so in a way that puts us close to people who may need to overhear what we're saying, uh, servers who may have the chance to hear the gospel if we're present, whatever it is. So everything we do is designed with intentionality to be a light in the places that we are. So they had decided to meet at a coffee shop uh, over in Fairfax together by Mason as one of their group meetings. So they met, uh, and they were having a group meeting like normal, and somebody overheard what they were talking about exactly what we were hoping to see and then they asked they begin to engage and uh, i believe it was that uh, stephen and devin two people who serve here and are faithful here uh, begin to have a conversation with this man about his beliefs about jesus and all these things uh now they're facebook friends now they're following up and seeing where that heads seeing where that goes and i want you to see that's just like one little tiny example story something to celebrate of why we're doing what we're doing this is what it's all about. Every person matters. Every life matters. God has a unique calling and equipping on each one of you that if we actually lived it out, not just on Sundays, but every day, we would see God do some incredible things. This is why our mission statement is this. Our passion is to shine the light of Christ in dark and hard places to bring real hope and help to all people. This is our passion for each one of us to shine the light of Christ in dark and hard places. And a coffee shop in the middle of a college campus can be a dark and hard place. Full of people who disagree, who don't love Jesus, who want nothing to do with that. Or it could be another type of dark and hard place that we think about. That's why we say as well, our services are a launching pad, not a landing place. 
We come here to be launched out, to be sent into the world, to go make a difference for Jesus. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's why we have lighthouses. You need to get engaged and connected in one. That's why we build light teams, which I'll explain a little bit as a way to serve. But we want to be a group of people who take the light of God into the world around us. Otherwise, you know, we're just hanging out. I don't, you know, what's the point? And so this is great. We want Sundays to be awesome. We want the presence of God to be here. We want to worship. We want to encourage each other. We want to hear the word. This is mandated. This is good. But it's a launching pad, not a landing place. And so we need to treat it like that. And stories like that are happening during our pre-time uh, prep rally for our servant leaders. We went through like three or four different stories just within the last week or so about people who met this person, who met this person, who did this, who did that, simply because they're living this out in their daily lives. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we have to believe this. The impact this church makes is completely dependent on how much of us, how many of us go live that out. That's completely dependent on it. It's not dependent on how good the preaching is, the worship, how good Sundays are, whatever. It's not dependent on that. The impact of the church to really push the, the darkness back, to bring light into darkness, is dependent on how many of us buy into that. How many of us actually go live this out on a daily basis? And our church will only make a difference insofar as we do that. So, you see this first part here. It says, you are the light of the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the light of the world. Point at them. Say it like you mean it. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Everybody say, we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Let's go. Come on. Let's actually believe this. We are the light of the world. This church is called City Light for that reason. We're called City Light because we believe God has placed us here in this city to be a light, to be a noticeable difference in the world around us. But like I said, this will only make a difference if we all buy in. Think about it like this. Like, it's like a bonfire that gets bigger and bigger the more sticks you throw in. Right? And the stick gets lost in the fire. It loses its individuality in the fire. It's gone. It becomes part of a whole, but the flame gets bigger. And so this is what we want to see in our world, in our life, in our church, is we're building this bonfire, so to speak, this light that gets brighter and brighter with the more sticks that get thrown in. So my call for you today is to throw your stick in. Turn your neighbor and say, throw your stick in. Throw your stick in. Throw it in. Throw it in. Throw your stick in. I'm telling you, this is so important. We will only shine as bright as you choose. As you, each one of you choose. And if you throw your stick in, our, our flame will get brighter and brighter. It'll be, it'll be bigger and warmer. It'll be more helpful for more people. But if you stay as a spectator or just enjoying our services or whatever it may be, we will not make the same kind of difference. So I'm asking you, I'm calling you, I'm pleading with you to throw your stick in today. And some of you may have already been doing that, and that's why we've made any progress whatsoever. And I thank you, those of you who have invested in this place, who have believed what God is doing, you have thrown your stick in, the Lord has saved people, he has moved, he has worked in just a short amount of time. All of you should be encouraged about your participation in this work is making a real difference in eternity in the lives of those around us. And for all of you, I'm asking each and every one of you to see what God is doing and become a part of it. To throw your stick in so we can burn brighter, so that we can be better, so that we can grow, so that we can see the Lord work and move. So you are the light of the world. You. You've thought that you're, if you're in Jesus and you've trusted in him, you're the light of the world. God has placed you here for that purpose. So I want you to see a couple things in this passage. Look at the passage. We're going to look at Jesus' examples. What does Jesus think it means to be the light of the world? How does Jesus explain being the light of the world? Well, the first thing he says 
is you are a city on a hill. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So he says, you're the light of the world. And his first example is a city on a hill. The important thing here, though, that I think we should dive into is intent. The issue here is intent. When there's a city on a hill, it doesn't get there by accident. So not only is it obvious to the world around it, but it was built to be obvious to the world around it. You plan to see a hill and build a city on a hill. So when you see a city on a hill, you should think first and foremost, intent. Somebody planned that, somebody orchestrated that with the intent to see it so that other people could see it. For it to be obvious. That's the intent of having a city on a hill. And in the same way, with you and me, God has saved you, he has built you, he has created you with intent. He has made you with intent. Each one of you. And some of you have walked into this room feeling like purposeless and without a, a really thing to do in the world. And I want to encourage you and tell you today, God has made you with intent. God has designed you with intent. He puts you where you are with intent. Nothing has happened by accident. And it's a mistake when we call accidental what God calls intentional. It just happened to be this way. I just happened to do this or that. And we're saying, look, no, 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 God, he's comparing us to a city set on a hill, which is built with intent. Unmistakable intent. So we see in Acts 13, Paul says the same thing. I want to show you this again. It says, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles. Why? The intent that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So look at the progress. I have made you a light. I have built a city on a hill. This is what God's saying about you, about you. You have value and importance, not because of what you bring to the table, but because of what God says about you. This is so important. We've talked about this before earlier, that we sometimes we get so focused on a word from people, we don't submit ourselves to the word from God. And a word might tell you, you don't have much to bring, you don't have much to offer, your life is accidental. But the word of God says you're made with intent. And if you're in Christ, you've been saved with intent. God has purpose for your life. And some of you need to trust in Jesus to receive that purpose. You've been wandering around. Somebody brought you here today. God has made you special with intent. He wants to use you, but you first have to submit your life to him. You have to give it up to say, yes, Lord, I surrender to your will and your ways. I trust you. You are my savior. And as you do that, God begins to work magnificently in your life. You are designed, each one of you, with intent. Made with intent. Saved with intent. And that intent, as Paul says, is to be a light for the Gentiles, i.e. people who don't know the Lord, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So look at this. I hope you see this. God, if you're in Christ, has saved you so that you would shine your light, the light of Jesus in you, so that people who don't know the Lord would be saved all the way to the ends of the earth. And God has called you and placed you to be a part of that. He has equipped you and designed you with intent to participate in the salvation of the ends of the earth. This is not a pastoral call or a, a church staff call or whatever, a missionary call. This is all of us. If you've trusted in Jesus, this is your reality. God has placed you, saved you, made you with intent. And that intent is that you would be a part of seeing people saved from all the ends of the earth. And this is not just a special call for preachers or any of that. It's a call for all of us. 
to really live out and believe God has made and saved you with intent. You are a city on a hill. You're a city on a hill. Now, the point of a city on a hill, we should all know this, is that it's impossible to miss. So here's a quick question for you. If you've trusted in Christ, is your faith impossible to miss? A city on a hill is built so that it's unmistakable, unmissable, and you are designed with the intent of your faith being unmistakable, unmissable. So the question for each of us to begin to evaluate our life is, is your faith impossible to miss? Is it impossible to know you and not know Jesus? Can someone know you and not know Jesus? Is it possible for people to know your name, know your family, know your habits, know your preferences, know your sports team, but not know Jesus? And I think this is where we often miss the mark is we can run great church services, but the people we meet every day, Monday through Saturday, don't hear about Jesus. And yes and amen, I hope people come to church, bring your friends to church, but your mission field is not in here, it's out there. Is your faith impossible to miss? Can people know you and not know Jesus? That's the challenge for us. I think about it, obviously. I was asking uh, uh, John for a help with like, a, like an illustration, an idea. And he said, how about the, the hot and ready sign for Krispy Kreme? It's unmistakable, right? You can't miss it. When that goes blazing red, you know what's in there. It shines as a light in the world, you know? And all who see it flock to it. It's unmistakable. It's unmissable. Or what about the McDonald's yellow arches, right? They're like a million feet in the sky and a big yellow thing. Why? So that it's unmissable, particularly so that your four-year-old sees it and says, I want McDonald's, you know, it's unmistakable for them. This is the point of building it that way. That's not an accident. The fact that the signs are so tall and bright yellow is not an accident. It's built with, say the word, intent. And you have been built with intent to be obvious, for your light to be unmistakable to be something no one can miss. So the question for you now is if you're a follower of Jesus, is that true of my life? And if not, what possibly needs to change? So a city on a hill. The second thing we see from this passage, what does it mean to be the light of the world? Jesus says that you are a lamp on a stand. You are a lamp on a stand. It says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. So now we talk about intent. Now the word is purpose. Everybody say purpose. 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 First of all, a city on a hill is built with intent. We don't call accidental what God calls intentional. And now he's saying we got to fulfill the purpose for which we have been made. You do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. The, the obvious thing is, yeah, that's silly. That's ridiculous. Why would you light a lamp and put it under a basket? And Jesus is going to be in to compare this to our faith. So there's two things we see here about where you place your faith. You don't put it under a basket, but you also put it on a stand. You don't put it under a basket, but you also need to put it on a stand. Both things need to be happening. And we're going we're gonna to call this get out and get up. All right? Get out and get up. Everybody say get out. Get out. Get up. Get out and get up. Here we go. So the first thing is get out. You need to get out from under the basket. 
Some of you are the light of the world, the only hope in your office, in your school, in your family. And your faith in your light has been dimmed and put out by a basket. That basket's called fear. It's called complacency. It's called disappointment. Whatever it is, there has been a basket. It's called bondage to sin. And that basket has prevented your light from shining. You're still built with intent. You've still been saved with intent. But you and I have often chosen to hide our faith instead of maximizing our faith. You have been built and made with intent and a purpose. The purpose of having a light is for it to shine. That is the very purpose of having a light. We talk about this a lot, that light is made for darkness. It's designed. The purpose of light is to light up the dark. So if God calls us the light of the world, the purpose of our life is to light up the dark and hard places of the, Lord, the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So we need to get out. Some of you walked into this room and you are a trustor in Jesus. You believed in him, but your faith is right now under a basket. God has lit that light. He's flipped the switch. He saved your soul. But you, because of fear, complacency, disappointment, bondage to sin, have decided to cover it with a basket. And you walked into this room, maybe disappointed, hopeless, because you don't know how to get out. You want your light to shine, but you don't know what to do. So I'm going to give you a couple scriptures about how you can shine your light by getting out. Before you can shine, you got to move the basket. you got to remove the basket. You are already fine. God has called you, saved you, built you with intent. The light is there. you just got to move the basket. And so this is how you move the basket. Number one, you get out by letting go. Bring your own darkness into the light of Christ. One of the things about us shining our light is we have to realize that we still have darkness in us. And we have to bring that to the Lord. Bring it into his light. Ephesians 5 says it this way. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes Visible for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, and you should hear, write to you, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of the time, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And so the first step for many of you is to admit, confess, and repent of the own darkness in your life. Say, Lord, I want my light to shine, but I am afraid. Lord, I want my light to shine, but I care what other people think. Lord, I want my light to shine, but I'm too disappointed with my light. I'm too like frustrated by my own life. I can't see anybody else. Lord, I want my light to shine, but and Lord, would you help me remove the basket? We gotta get out. And some of you, that's your main thing today. By the word of God, get out. Repent from your sin. Turn to Jesus and get out from under the basket so that your light can shine. A second way we get out is we get out by holding on. You get out by holding on. So you get out by letting go. Bring your sin into the light of Christ. If you get out by holding on, shine as light in the world by holding fast to the word of life. Get this from Philippians 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, 
that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. How so? By holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud and not run in vain or labor in vain. You shine as a light in the world, get this, by holding fast to the word. This is why we did it the way we did. Number one, we're all about Jesus. Jesus is our message. He's our priority. Number two, we are dependent on prayer. We don't believe we can do anything. We're useless without him. He's got to do it, so we pray. Number three, we are occupied by the word. We love the word of God. We need the word of God. We believe the word of God. We preach the word of God unapologetically. And number four, we are led by the spirit. We need the spirit of God. All four of those things create, number five, we are the light of the world. And if you try to do number five without one, two, three, and four, it won't work. If we try to just do good for the world and be a light without loving Jesus and being under the waterfall of his presence, without praying sincerely and taking time to really pray, without being in the word and believing God and holding fast and being led by the Spirit, surrendered to his will, sensitive to his voice, if we try to do number five without one, two, three, and four, we will fail. And you'll be frustrated and we'll be frustrated. So how do we shine as a light? By holding fast to the word. Get in the word. Obey the word. Live the word. Trust the word. Be around people who love the word, who help you understand the word. You cannot, as we said during the word sermon, live on sermons alone. You have to be in the word by the Holy Spirit, listening, believing, trusting. And if you're not holding fast to the word, you will not shine as a light. But the opposite is true. If you love the word, believe it, trust it, read it, meditate on it, hold on to it, you will shine. Shining will be a byproduct. It won't be something you forced into existence. You won't have willed up the courage to shine better. A natural byproduct of being in the word is to become more like Jesus. When you become more like Jesus, you shine. And it just happens. I'm telling you, any spiritual growth in my life has been a byproduct of just trying to be in the Word. And sometimes you, you live with intentionality to try to get this or that done and try to kill this. or this. But for the most part, any growth is just, I'm in the Word, I'm in the Word, trying to be in the Word, and God brings the growth. So you get out from your basket by letting go. Bring your sin into the light of Christ. Confess your sins to one another that you may be forgiven and healed. The second way is you get out by holding on to the Word of life. So if you're presently under the basket and your light is not shining, those are two ways you get out. Okay, the next thing is you get up. You intentionally put your light on a stand. Get this. He says, uh, verse eight, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Duh, you know, that's what he's saying. But on a stand. And some of you have settled for the floor. You've gotten out from the basket, but you've placed your lamp on the floor. And you thought that was good enough because it's something. And maybe you think, just maybe, somebody will trip over it, you know? They'll just like, oh, look, oh, look, there's a light down there. I wonder what that's there for. Oh, that's Jesus. Okay, great, you know? And I'm, I meant to bring a little light. I forgot this morning. I was, you know, I was going to have it there. It would have been awesome. But I don't have it. But look what he's saying. Look at the intent. Some of us just think so long about getting out. But we don't think intentionally about what we're supposed to do positive. And we settle. We say, hey, they're just going to see how nice I am and come to know Jesus. And my question is, how? There's a lot of nice people that don't know Jesus. A lot of them. 
They're going to see my... No, how? We're supposed to be giving our faith a mic. Putting it on a stand. And some of us have settled for the floor. We've gotten out from the basket and we love Jesus and we're pursuing that. But we haven't been bold and we've put it on the floor and we've hoped some people happen to see it. And God the whole time says, you got to put it on a stand. The only way you're going to give light to the whole house is to put it on a stand. The only way you're going to give light to your office space is to put it on a stand. The only way you're going to give light in your school is to put it on a stand. Light in your family, put it on a stand. Light in your friends, put it on a stand. You've got to intentionally put your faith on a stand. Look how he's saying, if you want to light up the world around us, each one of us needs to take our faith, our trust in Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us, get it out from under the basket by letting go and holding on, then pick it up off from the floor by proclaiming that he's the Savior. And we put our lamp on a stand. Turn your neighbor and say, get off the floor. Get off the floor. That's awesome if you need it today. Get off the floor. You've settled for having your faith on the floor because it's there. And I'm here from the Lord to challenge you to say the floor is not where it should be. Put it on a stand. Put it on a stand. You know, the apostles did the same thing. They did it this way. When you think about all that they did, they were healing, they were providing, they were doing good things. But all of those things were the floor upon which the proclamation of the gospel stood. So they would do all the good things we want to do, but the reason for that was that they created a stand on which now they would proclaim the gospel. So the stand, if you're wondering, is really the confession verbally that Jesus is Lord. It's the outing of myself to say, not only do I want to love you through good works, and yes and amen, but that's the floor. Good works on the floor. The stand is the profession. Jesus died and rose again for your sins. If you believe in him, you will be saved. But he is the only Lord and the only God, and there is no other name under heaven by which you may be saved. That's the stand. That's the stand. And we need to pray and plead and pursue opportunities to put our lamp on a stand. Every single one of us, not just pastors and preachers and staff, every single one of us saying, how can I get my faith off the floor and onto a stand by professing with my mouth the very words that Jesus is Lord? That's how we get our faith onto a stand. So get up, get it off the floor, intentionally put it onto a stand. John 5:35. this is about John the Baptist. He was a burning and shining lamp. And at you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. A burning and shining lamp. A burning and shining lamp. Get that. That's what I want people to call us. And for a while it says people rejoice in his light. May we not be like a dimly lit lamp, but a burning and shining, unmistakable, unmissable lamp pointing people to Jesus. This is the goal of our church. This is the only reason why we exist. If we're not doing this, we should close up shop. It's a burning and shining lamp. So... Our plan to do this, and this will come out with more and more clarity practically, there are 30,000 people in West Falls Church. And what we've talked about is working inside out. 
We think about working inside out, to put a focus on our area that's right around the school because this is where God has sovereignly placed us to meet. And if you don't know why and you missed last week, I explained the whole story. Catch us on the City Light Church podcast, YouTube or whatever. Find out how God led us to this place. But God has placed us here with the intentionality of reaching this place. But you guys also have homes and you live in other places. And we want to be intentional to reach those places too. And so we're thinking through, how can this be? Well, we start and you work your way inside out. And we put a great focus on these 30,000 souls. And particularly more focus on the 2,000 that live in the apartments that you can walk to from here. On the 5,000 that live just within walking distance of here. There's about four communities that make up most of the kids that come to the school. It would probably comprise about eight to 10,000 people. And the goal of City Light should be and will be to make sure, to make sure with intentionality by measurable numbers that every single person that we can know, that every single person that lives around us doesn't just know City Light but knows Jesus. Every single person that lives in Monticello should hear Jesus or we've failed. We have failed. 2,000 people, 2,500 right there in apartments. And so we're thinking through what does it look like to rally us up? to knock on doors, to do whatever we have to do to serve and to love. And as we're ministering, we find needs, we bring goods, whatever it might be that we can help tangibly in the name of Jesus. We're body and soul people, but we want to put our light on a stand. How can we make sure, how can we take responsibility for the 30,000 people that live in West Falls Church, for the 2,000 people that live right within walking distance, for the eight to 10,000 people that live within a mile of this place? What does it look like for us to own that mission? Our vision, as we talked about, is to bring light to the world by planting what we're calling community center churches that are equipped with people and programs to help communities flourish spiritually and physically. As I've been explaining every week, hopefully we're negotiating office space over here, more like a multi-use space, to start what we're calling the City Light Center, which we can use as a house of prayer, as a place to train, as a place to run after school programs, as a place to meet needs, to be a real light in the community 24-7. And we want many of you to help us engage in that by using your skills, offering your services, helping us financially so that we can create that space. There can be a place where people can go all the time to meet God and get their needs met. This is what it looks like for us to do this inside out and then to take this gospel to your neighborhood, through your lighthouses, to the coffee shops where your people gather, and all the way to the ends of the earth as we plan our first mission trips and begin to partner with our missionaries to send the gospel out all the way from inside out, we're creating and working on a plan that we hope to display soon that will have practical ways in which we can make sure, make sure that at least every person has had the chance to receive and repent and believe. That's our job. And so we're going to work towards that end. And I would ask that you would pray for us as we plan that out. So the last part here, he says, uh, you're sitting on a hill. Don't put it under a basket. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. At the end of the day, it's all about God's glory. We see this. It says, they may see your good works. Now, we're going to learn from that. It's not just your works like being nice, you know, or serving people. But the light, as we're going to see, is the light of Jesus. So when you shine your light, you cannot shine your light without the proclamation of Jesus because he is the light. So when we do good works, those are partnering with good news. And people give glory to God. The idea is not that people love City Light or love me or you or anybody else. But that when they encounter us, they meet God. They give God glory. Can you imagine a city that had once not given God glory, now resounding in glory to God? Can you imagine an apartment complex where God gets glory? 
Can you imagine a place where people are changed dramatically and God is getting praise and glory from more places than we can even count? This is our idea. This is not our idea. This is the scriptures is what we want to pursue is to give God glory by taking his light into the world around us. This is the goal. Not that city light would be big or grow or be any of those things, but that God would get glory in the apartments, in the houses, in your neighborhood. Glory that he was not receiving earlier from lips that previously did not proclaim his name. At the end of the day, what's most important, as we're going to see, is not that we are the light of the world, which we are, but that Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 1, 1 through 4 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Get this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Get this. The darkness has not overcome it. The only light that you and I have to offer is not our skills and not our works and not our church services. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the fact that Jesus is the real light of the world. And as much as we abide in and pursue Jesus, we'll shine. But the more we disconnect our good works from the presence of Jesus, we'll miss it. We won't shine because Jesus is the light. He's the real light that shines into the world. He's the only light that can overcome the darkness. Jesus is the light. Jesus has died and risen again. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the light. Amen. And we only shine as true lights when we connect with, obey, abide in, pursue, speak of, and love Jesus. That's the only way. Because at the end of the day, we don't have much to offer outside of the good news of Jesus. And if we bring our skill sets and our giftings and our resources along with that, we will have made a huge difference. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the light. He only calls us the light of the world because he tells us that his spirit lives in us. So that when he leaves, he leaves his spirit. Jesus is the light. He lives in us. Therefore, byproduct, we become the light of the world. Jesus is the light. I love this last part. It says the darkness has not overcome it. As we close out, I was uh, in the school again on Wednesday doing the mentoring thing. They throw me in this classroom with all these kids that had just gotten there. Every kid's from a different country, and no, nobody's been here more than eight months, at least as far as my conversations went. They were all very new. And uh, they're all speaking Spanish. The teacher doesn't speak a lick of Spanish, so they're just talking and doing with each other and just doing whatever. It's kind of funny. Uh, and then I'm jumping in. They're like, oh, you speak Spanish. You know? And they're like, what do I do now? You know? uh, and we begin to talk, but it gives me access. It allows me to speak with them at some level. And this one kid I was talking to, he's 16 years old. He's been here, uh, I think, like six months. Uh, he came with just his siblings, so he lives with his brothers and sisters, not his parents. And obviously, it's a rough spot for him. And he had a friend in the classroom that goes to a local church, actually. And it seemed like legit. I got to talk to her about it. And she had invited him, but he said he wouldn't go or didn't want to go because he was, he was living a bad life and didn't want to offend God. So he didn't want to go. And then I was able to just talk with him. You know, we're having these deeply spiritual conversations in school because the teacher has no idea what we're talking about. You know, we're just speaking in Spanish. And we're talking, and he's saying, you know, I just want to offend God. And I was able to bring up this because we were going to preach on it and talk about it. And I listened, brother, hey, Jesus is the light. The light has overcome the darkness. He loves you, and he has overcome the darkness in your life. There is nothing too offensive that you can bring to God that he cannot overcome. There is nothing too dark that God's light cannot overcome. You cannot bring your offense and mess up God. No, God, you're going to bring your offense. God's going to mess you up. God's going to save you. God loves you. And I just told him over and over again, man, God's light is stronger than your darkness. He loves you. He died and rose again for you. Go. Go to church. Come hear about the gospel. You cannot overly offend God if you go to him. 
You will offend him by turning away from him and receive his wrath. I don't want that for you. Go with all your darkness. Go with all your sins. Go to him, and he'll receive you. And that's the same call for many of you today, for you to walk into the light of Christ. You brought your darkness into this room, but there is no darkness too great for Jesus. His light has overcome. And many of you need to step into the light today so that you can become the light of the world. And for the rest of you, you need to remember what God has designed you to be, has made you with intent, has given you a purpose. Can people know you but not know Jesus? Let's go be the light of the world. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, God. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the light of the world. We thank you that you have saved us, that you have raised us, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, that even though we bring our darkness to you, you bring light. You overcome our darkness with light. We thank you there is no sin or offense too great for the light of Jesus to overcome. And we just pray for people in this room that they would bring their darkness into your light, that you would overcome, that we would take your light to the world. I pray, Lord, everybody would throw in their stick and that we would become a people joined together with one mission to shine one light. That's the name of Jesus. Pray for the communities around us that they would really come to know you sincerely, believe the gospel, and be saved. That you would really use us to push back the darkness. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name everybody said, Amen. Amen.